Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Rad Reviews. I got my friend Jake. Hello. And uh, what are we going to talk about today, Jake? Uh, the Snyder Cut, uh, or the road to the Snyder Cut, and what we hope that it becomes, or how we hope that it's much better than the Turd Justice League movie that we got. And, um... So, like, what is your experience with, like, DC movies and Zack Snyder overall as a director? Um, I, the first Zack Snyder movie I saw was the Dawn of the Dead remake. A good I one, too. I think that came out when I, I was in high school, and that, like, that opened me up to all the George Romero films, because it was just such a fun and funny graphic movie. Uh, and then his career kind of took off after that there's some movies he made that i didn't think were great i wasn't big on sucker punch uh i thought watchmen especially the director's cut was excellent i liked man of steel uh batman v superman i'm kind of iffy on but the, the justice league movie it, it he, he's still attached as a director to that movie but it's hard but seeing some of the trailers that came out while the uh, movie was being marketed, how like there were scenes that weren't in the movie, which often happens. They get footage to put in trailers. But these trailers seem very character-building specific. And that big red filter at the end of the movie that just made it look like garbage and was completely tonally separate from, uh, from what you would expect from a Zack Snyder movie. Um, are you there? Yeah, I'm there. It is like I like lean back in my bed. Oh. Um, so, it, and it's seems like it's been a really long road. What about you? What is your, what are your feelings on Zack Snyder and his filmography? Well, it's like I discovered Zack Snyder when I was like around 10 or 11 because that's when I, uh, I first watched um, Dawn of the Dead, and I just was like blown away. And then I got really into zombie movies because that, like, Dawn of the Dead was just an amazing zombie film. It was, it was like, extremely stress reducing, like stress provoking, and all that. And then I saw Three Hundred, and I was like, cool, I another oh, yeah. another movie with guys stabbing each other. I was like, all right. And then I saw Watchmen, and I'm a huge comic book fan. And then I when I saw Watchmen. The movie, like, no matter how many people shit on that movie, I still think it's an amazing movie, and I love, like, that made more people love Watchmen, but I know a lot of people thought it was, like, a terrible movie. I, if, there's no way that you could, uh, like the comic and hate the movie, because it is such a loyal adaptation of the book. It's, it's straight, people, I think fanboyism kind of, is the problematic factor there. People think that just because it's not, you know, of a certain brand, they have to dislike something or people have strong opinions against Zack Snyder. I've heard people compare him to Michael Bay. That's rude. I hate that. Michael Bay movies are just like, he makes uh, action porn for 12-year-old men, for 30-year-old dudes that are still 12 years old. Like, Watchmen is not that. Dawn of the Dead is not that. Sucker Punch, it actually kind of sucked. I thought it was very disappointing. 
he really can be credited for uh, reviving the whole zombie genre because if you think about that in 2005 and how popular that movie was, you can, you know, The Walking Dead came out after that. Um, the Brad Pitt, World War Z came out after that. A whole bunch of really uh, popular movies came out after that. Was that also before 28 Days Later? Uh, no, I believe 28 day, Days Later came out, 28 Days, no, 28 Days Later came out in 2002. Oh, that was three years before then. Two or three years. But Danny Boyle said that he, he, that it wasn't a zombie movie and that they weren't zombies. Yeah. Um... And Danny Boyle so, is a different H director. Sorry. No, you go ahead. HBO Max launches tomorrow. Yes, will you be getting it? Strictly for... Oh, yeah. I already signed up. For, I had to get a separate account so I could get the promotional offer. Are you getting it? Of course. Why would I not get it? <laughs> uh, they've done a very terrible job of marketing it. Um, and honestly, I think that this movie... The Snyder Cut, or series, whatever it becomes, because there's that uh, picture that he tweeted of a three-and-a-half-hour-long cut. Um, I think that this should have been a day-one launch title. I think it would have really helped with the marketing, you know, because people have such strong opinions either way. You know everyone's going to watch it. People who are like, oh, DC sucks. Zack Snyder sucks. Like, you know those people, they're going to be driven to that. Yeah, no, and that's like, the thing is, um, I like, uh, people always have this, like, uh, debate over, are you a Marvel fan or DC fan? I'm just a comic book fan. I really don't give a shit, rather, it's DC or Marvel. I think people get wrapped up in this idea, like, well, MCU is better. I'm like, well, MCU is better made. That's the thing. And I just think people, like, crap on Snyder for being a part of the DCU or whatever you want to call it. And I'm like, it's not entirely his fault either. In my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, there were some creative decisions that he made, uh, and BBS that I wasn't a fan of, but, uh, he also did a lot right by some of the characters that Batman action sequence when he's saving Martha, which of course I'm sure, most people have a negative opinion about that, but that action sequence was the coolest Batman action sequence we've gotten to date. That action sequence is excellent. I thought so too. And the thing is also, I remember talking about this with some people, the people didn't like the Batman, like the Zack Snyder, like, like Batman versus Superman with Zack Snyder, like the Batman character all together because they were like still writing the idea it was going to be like the dark knight and i'm like that's those are two completely different directors and two completely different styles of movies yeah and i, it, I think it's pretty obvious to state all the iterations that we've previously seen of batman on film it he had the added challenge of having to throw him into a justice league style world no one's had to do that in live action so that was a unique challenge for him Especially, you know, he's... Tim Burton Batman came out in 89. You know, you had him, Kilmer, Clooney, Bale, 
none of these other people had to deal with being one of multiple heroes or having Batman Returns had, you know, opened up some of the supernatural elements more. but they, he really had a unique challenge in bringing Superman and Wonder Woman in, and I, I think that's something that they really—he really deserves credit for—is his casting. I mean, Henry Cavill as Superman is a great casting choice. I like Ben Affleck as Batman just because of how meaty he got and how kind of dark and weird he is as a person. I think it kind of fits the character well. Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. Jason Momoa is Aquaman. I mean, he set open a, a roadmap for other directors to come in and put their spin on the world that he built. So, you know, a lot of people criticize that Justice League came too soon, but they had their, their villain movie and their hero movie, and they lay it out in a way that other writers and directors could come to the studio and say, I have this vision for this character. You know, Zach had already done a really good job casting each character. Um, and I know that can oftentimes be at odds with creatives. Uh, the Flash movie, I think, is on its third director right now. Um, I don't think it's going to be made at this point, especially since the <laughs> video. Z- There's a video of Ezra Miller choking a woman. Like, I'm not going to take sides of it, but that video out there, and it exists. And I know for a fact that's probably going to affect him in some way, shape, or form. What are you... I have not heard of this. You can look it up. There's a video of him choking a girl, like a fan or something. I I don't know. I'm not going to... I'm not... I don't know the full context of it. I just know the video exists. I just haven't... I haven't done enough research. I know the video exists because I've seen the video back when I had Twitter. Uh, Well, he's made it through those Harry Potter spinoffs unscathed, so... But like this just came out like a few months ago, and people were like, oh. cancel Ezra Miller. And I was like, damn. Yeah, I guess that kind of puts a ding in it. But I think the writing team on the Flash movie currently, I could be wrong, but it, they're the writing team that did uh, Homecoming, Spider-Man Homecoming, which I thought seemed like a perfect fit. Uh, one of them was um, John Francis Daly, the kid from Freaks and Geeks. Oh, really? Yeah, and he was on Bones. I, you know, not my thing, but... Uh, oh, yeah, I forget he... The man, but that show was so corny. Yeah, that's not it's not for me. But anyways, the, the long road to the Snyder Cut, I think, is a very deserved... I, this is... If this is something that he wanted to do and he's not being paid to do, you know, I... I I, it's awesome for him, you know, having to go through his daughter committing suicide um, in March of the year that the movie was supposed to come out. Uh, and then he worked on the production for a couple weeks afterwards before publicly resigning from the uh, the film. And Warner Brothers announced instead of putting the movie on hold that they were going to have Joss Whedon come in and you know, finish the movie. Well, they're two totally different directors. I don't understand. And they didn't push the movie back. The movie was already, it, it, it had some hurdles to jump through. It was originally supposed to be two movies. Uh, 
BVS came out in March of 16. Justice League came out in November of 17. Um, and so him being on that time crunch, that stress, I also conspiratorially uh, wonder if his daughter's suicide uh, could have been a result of fan bullying. Um, I, I often wonder if, because people were so hateful and angry when Batman v Superman came out, and you know, some of these people who make these movies are treated like garbage, and they're. I wouldn't be surprised if some, uh, you know, some element of that came into play with her suicide. Um, so I'd be surprised that he would want to get back in, but I think, by and large, yeah, some of the fan culture has been toxic, but. If he wants to make this movie, he deserves to get this movie made because Warner Brothers did not do right by him and just handing over the reins to the Avengers guy. Not to say that I don't like those movies or think that they're great. Um, it just, it's just, it was lazy work on the studio's part and they were going through the merger. There's D. That's Diana. Um, sorry, what was I saying? Oh, uh, you're talking about the bullying? Oh, yeah. The, uh, you know, I, to a degree, I feel like that toxic behavior that fans partake in could have contributed to her death. Sorry. Thank you. Yeah, Jake's a dad guy, so if you hear a kid, that's his kid. Can you lock the door? Okay, thanks. She can open doors? What? Your kid's tall enough to open doors? Oh, yeah, she's like, she's off the growth chart. Based on her current growth rate, she's supposed to be taller than me. Dang, she's going to beat you up. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm more afraid of her boyfriends being much bigger than me. Yeah, you know, that can happen. Unless, um, yeah. But back to the topic at hand. So, yeah, I was like, when it comes to, like, fandoms, I just feel people get, like, so militant about movies that they're willing to, like, mistreat someone to the point where they do want to kill themselves. Like, we see that with the Star Wars fandom, how militant they are about how much they hate. They hated one specific actress that she, like, took herself off social media. Rose... The girl that played Rose, like they were literally like bullying. Yeah, Kelly Marie Tran, that was insane. Yeah, I was like, wow, can you guys like relax for like seven minutes, or all? You know, and I didn't, I didn't like that movie. I thought it had a lot of problems. It Hater. had some good things in it too. You know, a lot of these movies, people speak in such complete absolutes about acting like they have no redeemable qualities, and I think. that fan culture has just had such a negative impact on, uh, you know, the way things are. These, we have to remember that these are people, you know, they're not, they're not politicians who are responsible for, you know, thousands of people dying. They're not, you know, they're just people making movies, you know, 
this Kelly Marie Tran was is a new actress. She got a really cool job. She did nothing to hurt anyone. She was super cool about all of this. She did not deserve that treatment. And you know, going back to uh, Zack Snyder's daughter, I worry that you know some of that toxic fandom um, war. Uh, I I speculate that maybe that wore her down Um, but that you know it was a pretty horrible tragedy and it was really cool what he did afterwards Um, he made a I think a short film with his family after he departed from the Justice League in order to get all of his family back together he made a film with them I, I never saw it but I thought that that was, you know, pretty. I, I can't imagine leaving a, a production like that, you know, going through something like that. That has to be so stressful. Already good at ignoring how toxic people are, because that's one of the intellectual properties that people have been super toxic towards is, you know, the DC movies, because they compare them to, you know, how the Marvel movies have played out. And. Not to say that those movies aren't great and haven't done a lot of really good things. They have. But uh, Warner Brothers just has to do their own thing and keep it separate. And they've had some success with that. Um, And it's nice to see them invest in him and him wanting to come back and do it, like I said prior, hoping that he's not just doing it for the fans. Uh, and that it, he's making a movie that he really wants to make because if he's just doing it for the money, I can't imagine that this is making him relive that trauma that he went through. So if he's going back and making this movie for a paycheck instead of it being something that he would love to do, I can't imagine how taxing that would be on him. Yeah, there's no uh, there's no passion in that. And like... I think that's what drew me to I think that's like when you saw him make Watchmen, he wanted to make Watchmen. And you could tell like that was his project. Like was I was I yeah, there were some parts of Watchmen that pissed me off because I'm a comic book reader and I read the entire graphic novel of Watchmen. But it, he he wanted to make it in the vision he wanted. And you know what? At the end of the day, I was like, "You know what? That's what he wanted. I'm going to respect him for it." And I could tell that he liked making Watchmen. He directed the music video for Desolation in Monroe with My Chemical Romance, one of my favorite bands of all time, and it was amazing. Oh, yeah. And Dawn of the Dead, you can tell he enjoyed making Dawn of the Dead because it was just so fun. Like, I loved Dawn of the Dead. Sucker Punch, he probably enjoyed making that too. Like, Jane, Jenna Malone was in that movie, and I loved Donnie Darko. Um, uh. Sorry, go ahead. And Suicide Squad was just entertaining to watch. Was it good? Eh. That was David Iyer. But he did direct the Flash scene. Zack Snyder did? Yes. Oh, that scene was cool. Yeah, he, he directed it. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, he's I he's a lot more talented than people give him credit for. Uh, what you were saying... Oh, Oh, about Watchmen. I thought he translated the ending to film better than what the the original ending of that book would have been. Dropping a squid, a psychic squid, 
at the end of that movie would have looked so stupid and making it more literal, you know, with the, the cold war fear fears that we had, uh, you know, with the nuclear bomb that the decision to go with that is, that's a big choice. And I, it was really bold. And in my opinion, I thought that that was, that suited the film better. And, and you are correct. And I agree with that. But when I first watched it, when it first came out in 2009, back before I hit puberty, I'm still waiting to hit puberty, I was pissed off because I didn't see a squid. But I think the difference is, because like, people were bashing, I remember people bashing the Watchmen Snyder cut compared to the Watchmen TV show. And I'm like, they're two completely different directors. Damien oh, Lindelof, no. yeah, Lindelof also, it's a TV series. So he has a lot more time to explain what the hell is going on. The Watchmen movie, like even Damien Lindoff said, this is like a spiritual successor to the Watchmen movie in a way, which it was. And it had paid respects to the original Watchmen movie very decently, but it wasn't a complete 100% sequel excuse me, to the movie. And you can tell with that with the way Damien Lindelof writes and directs compared to the way Watchmen... Like, like Zack Snyder, like he... He was pretty straightforward with the Watchmen movie, and that's why he, instead of a giant squid, he had the explosion to happen to show how Mr. Manhattan would be blamed for the Cold War. Damien Lindelof is insane, is, a, is, a, is insane, and then made the whole... If you watch The Leftovers and Lost and Watchmen, you see how crazy he is. Yeah, he's a, he's a pretty good writer. Um... And I know Zack Snyder didn't have anything to do with the, the TV show. It was there. I I thought it was. I I loved the show. Um, I thought it was very. I I. It seemed to me that it was very separate from the movie. Oh, indeed. Because um, they did have the psychic squid. Um, they didn't have any. I mean, they only had some of the old characters. Um, you know, they recast people that they didn't need to recast. Because um, you could, you know, do aging with, uh, like, Malin Ackerman could have been aged. Uh, what's his name? Is it Billy Crudup, who played uh, Dr. Manhattan in the movie? He could have reprised his role, but he was recast. And that worked really well. I didn't, I'm, you know, I'm glad that it was its own separate thing. Because what they did with it was so much, was so unique in its own right. Um, so yeah, the, the Snyder Cut. Back to the, the, the main thing. It's, it's easy to get into talking about his filmography because he, uh, he's done some really cool stuff. Um, and he's treated like crap a lot and it sucks and it's undeserved in my opinion. Um, so I hope when the Snyder cut movie comes out, I hope that it's everything that everyone wants. I hope it's at least better than the theatrical release that we got that was rushed. I can't imagine putting a movie of that scale together in a year and eight months. Cause B, like I said, BVS was 
March of 16 and November of 17 was Justice League. I would think that they would want to just push that back, just give him the time. Even without, if his daughter's death hadn't occurred, he should have had more time to work on a movie called Justice League. I think any movie of that scale. Comic book intellectual properties. It's until then it had never been adapted. It's something that needs to be treated appropriately, and to just kind of treat it like a cash cow. The studio got what they deserved. The movie only grossed, I think, in the six hundred millions. Uh, Wonder Woman outperformed it. Aquaman outperformed it. Uh, two of the Chris Nolan Batman movies, BVS. Uh, I think it made around the same amount as Man of Steel. But you would think that a movie that had that quality of casting, that cast of characters, would have made way more money. Do you think that it like alongside like the way do you think the way they approached making the movies affected as well? Because like the way I think I, I really love the way the MCU does it. Like they they have like each movie connects to the other movie. And I I enjoy that. And, like, the funny part is I'm very militant about how much I hate Marvel movies because I can't be happy. So, that being said, I like Marvel movies at the same time. Like, all my friends are probably going to, like, clown on me because I always talk about how much I hate, like, Marvel movies. Because I do. And I love them at the same time. And I, I, and I, I enjoy the way Marvel movies were made. And I went from that to Justice League, and I I loved I loved the animated like original animated Justice League movie when I was little, and like the Legion of Doom. That I, first off, I just loved Legion of Doom and them like the little castle coming out of the water. That always is like was cool to me. I always liked the villains. Like, that stuff was so hyped to me. Did you like that Easter egg at the end of the movie? <laughs> yes, I did. Oh, you did with Jesse Eisenberg and Joe Manganiello Deathstroke. Yes. Oh man, I. I was not a fan of Jesse Eisenberg. Don't be such a bozo. Which is strange because when when I rewatched BVS after hating his performance so much, I, I first off I don't think anyone on screen has portrayed that character properly. Um, I'm a huge Superman fan and I love Lex Luthor. I think he's a really great villain. Um, but when I uh, revisited Batman v Superman and ignored his acting and just paid more attention to the writing and the characters' decisions. They make sense. It's his performance that really crapped on that. And if I remember correctly, I think they kind of had a hint that he may have been a junior and not the actual Lex Luthor. Really? Yeah, it, I remember, and, and I remember having specific lines of dialogue that I would pull that from. Like, oh, is he really Lex Junior? I and I may just be totally off and sound crazy because you know it's a pipe dream that someone else would play him. But I guess at this point, it's even a pipe dream that we'll see in another Justice League movie. That's uh, not the Snyder cut because the studio is going in all these separate directions. It just blows my mind away that there's a cut of a movie that has not... This is, like, unprecedented. The only time I can think of a cut like this coming out was Phantom of the Opera, which has, like, 50 cuts, and half of them don't exist anymore. And now we're moving on to this, where we're having, like, a... 
uh, French Revolution-esque revolt against a studio so we can get it. Next to us bullying a movie studio and did re redesigning uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Hey, that worked out. I mean, that movie made money. People were happy about the, re- the Sonic the Hedgehog redesign. I um, liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I thought I I wasn't a big fan of the movie. Like, there, it had good parts and bad parts, but his animation turned out great. They did a really good job, and that was a really good creative choice. I thought so too. This, but like you were saying about this, this this is a very unique story, and this is the hopefully first and maybe last time that a movie gets completely rebuilt. Um. This movie needs to be rebuilt. It was... I just watched the trailer before we did this, and even watching the trailer was making me cringe. Uh, and I can watch pretty pretty bad movies and not cringe. Um, it was making me cringe about as much as the Josh Trank Fantastic Four movie made me cringe. That movie... And I think I'm the only one who's seen that movie. I saw it. I've seen all the Fantastic Four movies, and they all suck. Yeah, <laughs> there's That's a '90s version. Most consistent uh, intellectual property on film because they're all terrible. Yeah, no, and it's, and I know Marvel's talking about bringing back the Fantastic Four into the MCU, and I just pray, please don't let it suck because I've already seen three generations of Fantastic Fours that were all garbage, and I don't know when's the next time I'll see a movie in theaters due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So seeing a Snyder cut from the comforts of my living room would be just fine. And, you know, as I previously stated, the fans, including myself, I think, yeah, I, I, I think that this is so deserved and such a great win. Um, you know, when that billboard got put out, uh, in, I think in Times Square, there was a fan campaign to put out a billboard in Times Square outside of New York Comic Con. Like, you know that the interest is there. Uh, the Change.org pe- that petition that came out right after the movie came out for, you know, a release the Snyder Cut, it, you, you know that that was there. I just looked that up two, a day or two ago. And I saw that it had like 170,000 signatures on it. So there are plenty of dorky people who want to see this happen. And um, I just read before I got on here um, that this is going to be quite an investment. The, the first uh, rumor report was that it was going to cost uh, 20 to $30 million to re-edit, it, reshape. Wait, and- what? Do additional photography and CG um, for the film, and then the uh, head of HBO Max was on a podcast either today or yesterday, and he said, "I wish that it was going to cost thirty million dollars to do this." So it, it, they're they're hard up for content, uh, and this is something that they can easily do with COVID: is take something that previously exists, re-edit it, recut it. These are things that people can do from home. They don't have to do a bunch of additional photography. You know, all, all of principles there. So, 
you know, I, it's, this is a good investment for them. And I, I, I don't know, maybe it would have been impossible to hide it, but if they would have had this on launch day, I think it would have been a huge story for them to have, uh, you know, the Snyder cut on launch day of HBO max. Cause I think we, I already stated earlier that marketing for this has been bad, but the library is so great on here. You have the Criterion Collection, Studio Ghibli. They're going to have all the DC movies for the last 40 years. Um, Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol is so good. And it, I'm glad that it's going to get an audience. because It's only been on the DC... Um... Yeah, Universe app. Which and I only watched it because I got it to, I think I got it to watch Titans, and then I was gonna cancel it. But there was this, you know, the Doom Patrol show, and I watched the pilot, and I was like, HBO. I was drawn and everyone to. Everyone was into the Umbrella Academy at the time, yeah. So I started them both concurrently, and I just lost interest in the Umbrella Academy because hater Doom Patrol was just it just took all my attention away, and it was a, it was a weekly uh episodic show versus uh i think umbrella umbrella academy was the whole season at once yeah are are they making this they're making a season two of doom patrol if i'm not mistaken correct yeah it's gonna be on hbo max as well i was drawn um, to hbo max strictly um because of uh of studio jubilee because i just i mean i'm just a huge anime fan and Studio Jubilee yeah, is so I love good. Those movies. It's it's anime is something that I'm not as versed in as I would like to be. But uh, I think that that was a really smart acquisition for them. Um, because it, and maybe the launch time of HBO Max is good too. Uh, because I think people are starting to realize that they're out of things to watch on Disney, and Disney is isn't going to be able to put out all these big marvel shows that they wanted you know the mandalorian season two is probably going to take longer to come out now they said it's coming so, on the mandalorian season two finished filming before the pandemic broke out but yeah you are correct nothing really new is going to be coming out for a while i know netflix ha- i know for me what i like netflix has space force coming out for all the emotional teenagers, 13 Reasons Why, Final Season 4 is coming out. Hulu has uh, Rami coming out for a second season. I enjoyed Rami. But Doom- yeah, Rami was great. And they're making a season 2 with Marshal Ali and Mia Khalifa. So I'm really, really excited. And then H- uh, HBO Max is just going to change the game, I think. I, I, I hope that they... I, hope it, I think it's going to be a word of mouth thing for them. And this, while the Snyder Cut is an expensive investment, think about how expensive it was to make each episode of Game of Thrones. I think, aren't those production budgets set, weren't they around $10 million an episode? Yeah, no, and yeah, it was like, the production cost and just the time, like the long night literally took 54 days to film. It is literally the longest battle scene in film history only for it to be the worst ending for a tv series of all time <laughs> i have post-traumatic stress disorder from how bad game of thrones was yeah 
Well, hopefully the, the the Snyder Cut won't be the same thing as, you know, The Last Jedi or uh, or the, the final season of Game of Thrones because people seem to have their expectations set pretty high. Um, and, and I think it'll be rewarding if you pay close attention. Like, if you know these characters, a lot of people who criticize BVS... I think we're oblivious to a lot of the, the things that were going on. Um, you know, like the dream sequence. Uh, that got me super excited. Um, the dead Robin thing. Like, I don't know. There, there are a lot of neat little things that he put in that movie, and... I would like to see that in a Justice League movie, even if it turns out to be crap. Yeah, and um, are you emotionally prepared for this to suck? <laughs> uh, I mean, I already, uh, I already got fooled. One, actually, I wasn't fooled. I knew the first. I knew the Justice League movie was gonna suck. Um, yeah, I am. I don't expect it to be great. Uh. Because this is such a weird... It, this is all so weird. I think it's great, but it, it's also... This is a movie that's been done for... What? Three... Two and a half years now? Almost three years. And it's being revisited and recut. And the reason why the director left... Is such a dramatic reason. I can't... It, it seems like he would go back and he would be looking at... That a lot of that footage, and there's no way that he's not going to be thinking about how he went through that time. Oh, yeah, like losing his daughter? Yeah, yeah, his daughter committing suicide. I don't know how he could just jump back into all that work and all the footage and all the memories of working on the set and not have any of that tie into the emotional weight of it being linked to around the time of your child's death because that's the most stressful event that can occur in your life is the loss of a child. So I can't imagine how hard it's going to be for him to go back to this and to do it. Um, and I would expect the quality of this to maybe not be great because of that, but my expectation of quality is just, for it to be better than the uh, the original version, which means my standards are pretty low. <laughs> for sure, and um, I'm gonna say, I, I don't really hey for me. I remember I was talking to people like, "Oh, the Snyder Cut's gonna suck. I'm not gonna watch it." I'm like, "You don't watch movies in general, so I didn't expect you to watch this." Period. Like being a being a movie fan, I watch so many movies and I suggest so many things to people. People are like, I'm I'm still on the first movie you suggested. I'm not gonna. I was like, yeah, because you rewatch Gilmore Girls or The Office several times a year. Yeah, I can't do that. I every time I try to restart a show like The Office, I get into like season four and I'm like, I could be watching something I haven't seen. I would much rather be doing seeing something I haven't seen. Then you know, I, like I'm just now watching my rewatching my favorite sitcom, Scrubs. Uh, ever at Parks and Rec, actually. Oh, not not, not Scrubs bad. Is great. 
But uh, I love Parks and Rec, and I even rewatching that, I'm loving it as much as I was the first time I watched it. But I'll, you know, every time I put it on, I'm like, well, there's stuff that I haven't seen. You know, I should explore something new because I think people just what I understand that it's like comfort food to watch your favorite stuff over and over. Um, and sure, I've done that with certain things, but I, it, as I've gotten older, I have felt that it is more beneficial for me to consume things that are newer. You know, it's like, you know, you're doing the same drug over and over and it loses its effectiveness. I don't want that. Give me a new drug, you know, because as stupid as it sounds like sitting in a movie theater right now and just being in a really good movie would give me the biggest dopamine high. I just, I don't know. There's no feeling to me that's greater than being in a movie theater and seeing a really good movie. I, when I walk out, I just want to talk about it constantly. I think about it constantly. I know. That's what I miss. I miss going to the Cinemark we always go to and sitting in the below average seats, but the tickets are so cheap, I really don't care. The sound is great. The, the like, the, the, uh, the video quality, whatever you call it, everything is great there except for the seating. Oh, yeah. The seating has gone better, though. If people know what movie yeah. theater we're talking about, then you know. Oh, I know. I actually worked in Cinemark in 2005. I worked there. Yeah, I've been going there since I was like a little... I've been going to that movie theater since you could look at movie theater times in the newspaper. That's how long I've been going there. <laughs> Now we have uh, the... You're going to make me feel old. I'm not going to say anything about that. But yeah, I just hope um, when this comes out, people subscribe to HBO Max and discover how awesome it is because I'm really excited to watch all the content they're putting out. And I hope they have a lot because I have no idea. Like 2021 is going to be a really shit year for movies because if, if any movies come out. Like I feel like people are worried about the... Oscar nominees for 2020? No, I'm worried about the Oscar nominations for 2021 because... Uh, they lifted that rule. The streaming rule. There is a theatrical release window rule. There is? Yeah, oh, you didn't know that for the 2021 Oscars? They, no. They threw out the rule about there being uh, a theatrical release window for eligibility. So do you, do you already know what that rule is? No, I don't. So all movies that are nominated, in order to be nominated, you have to have your movie play in, I think, a certain number of theaters for a certain amount of time. Uh, if you go straight to streaming or video, you are ineligible. That's and this, whack. And next year's Oscars is going to be the first ever where they waive that because of COVID. Good. It, it's good. I think, I, I, I don't know. I'm a Nolan fanboy, so the theatrical experience, I think, is really important. Um, and it also helps drive business, uh, which is important. The theatrical experience is, you know, you're viewing movies the way that directors want you to see their movies. You know, they don't want you to see them on your phone. You know, or even your TV, 
they want you to go and see it in the theater. Uh, you know, the, the sound is done in a movie theater. The editing is done in a, in, you know, like in smaller theaters, these movies are, movies are cut. Most movies are cut in big rooms, uh, to, that are simulate that experience so that way when you go and see it in a theater you experience it the same way sorry i didn't i didn't let you elaborate on you so you like the rule that they're waiving the theatrical release window yeah i'm happy they're doing that because what movies are we gonna like give awards to that's what like there's movies that have yet to come out like there's a movie with natalie D uh, dyer from uh, stranger things called yes god yes and i think it's coming out this year and so I'm really hoping that I doubt it will get a nomination, but hey, Lady Bird got nominated and won Best Film of the Year, so uh, I, I have high hopes for it. It is that like I was thinking about that. I didn't know about the rule at all, so now that just changes the game. But still, like 2021, what movies will come out? I, I have no idea. Wait, are we gonna zoom movies? Are we gonna zoom create movies like they did with searching? Well, it... <laughs> yeah. Well, critics will still get their screeners. Are you there? Yeah, I'm there. I just like, I just um, peek in and out. But I think if, if this is something that continues, I think it's bad for not just the idea that we'll be missing the theatrical experience. I think last year they had, or this year they had the Oscars earlier than ever. And I don't honestly think that members of the Academy saw all of the movies that were nominated you know, because the the release window was so short. Because these, you know, a lot of them are busy working people. You know, how, were you able to see every movie nominated in every category uh, by the time the Oscars? Yes, occurred? I I I can say I almost I, I missed out on like the short films and one of the documentaries. But yes, I almost saw every single Oscar nominated movie. I've been trying to do that since 2016 to prove a point. That yes, it is possible to watch every single. Is it difficult? Yes. Did I spend a lot of money doing it? Yes, I did. But guess what? It is possible that screeners and critics are just bastards and just aren't willing to put in work. Yeah, yeah they get screening copies for them to just watch it on their computer or at home, and they just completely take it for granted. It's. I'm sorry. Yeah, I. I used before Diana, and even. Even this year, I was able to see eight of the nine movies by the time the Oscars came out. Because if you really, really care about movies, you know, you're going to put that effort in. But those were just the best pictures. Half of the movies were on Netflix. Like, three of the movies were legitimately on Netflix. Like, there is no excuse. Stop watching The Office and just watch. A... It just blows my mind away. But these, these are Academy members. And, you know, I think it's largely a popularity game. For, you know for all of this anyways but I, I I worry okay so there's that problem that okay you you waive the theatrical requirement for a year well if that becomes an ongoing issue they're already not seeing the movies or judging them based on the category that they're in they're ju they're judging them based on you know the quality of the movie which are completely separate things and that is tend to be that has been an ongoing problem. If you waive the theatrical requirement, then you broaden the base of what gets nominated, and then people have no idea what to nominate. You know, studios campaign to 
to have their movies get the nominations, it's going to put such a strain on studios when there is such a larger plethora of things. And it's, I think there would be a huge breakdown in communication uh, amongst the Academy. Um, And so I, I, I find that long term it would be problematic because you look at how many movies Netflix is putting out. You know, you don't want them to become the the brand that has all the best pictures. Uh, Amazon puts out a lot of good stuff. You don't want them, you know, putting out most of the other best pictures. And eligibility will become confusing, and it it will get hard for these other studios whose sole purpose is to make movies. It, it will make it harder for them to campaign when, you know, they're, even though they're, you know, spending the money campaigning, they're sending these nice gifts and the screeners to members of the Academy. It, when people are already in the habit of just turning on Netflix or putting on Amazon. Um, so I think that will build in a disadvantage eventually as well. Uh, but that's my soapbox. I hate that that rule got waived. I understand that it is in the interest of public safety, and that obviously is the most important thing. But if we can go without that rule staying in place, that rule should not stay in place. Do you think they will change it back? When only if the pandemic. It depends. It right now the way it, this is a totally different conversation. People are are done. With, with the, the impacts of this pandemic, people they don't care anymore. They they did at first. People respected the rules, but it's it's really broken down our society. And so, you know, I think businesses are going to be open regardless of what public health officials are saying. You know, eventually it's going to become unpopular politically to say, you know anything about shutting down because it you know regardless of your politics people people are going to be getting back out and doing things yeah and no. i don't know if tripling or quadrupling death rates is going to even change anything uh yeah no that's the thing that gets to me and i'm like well um as a movie fan like yeah i miss going to the movie theater but i remember once at work i joking around like you want to risk it for a movie you know and then then we had to take a step back i'm like we work at a hospital in an emergency room so yeah you know we'll, heck it yeah yeah i mean and i feel i i'm in the same place other people are in even though you know we worked where we work but i just for our collective mental health as a society, you know, we're social beings. We're not built to just, you know, stay at home all the time until we can get a pandemic managed. It's, it's an unfortunate reality. And I, you know, we just need to be as smart as we can. Um, and, and be a safe balanced safety, you know, and necessity and, and really evaluate the, the decisions you're making. So for example, you know, do I need to go out and see Suicide Squad 2 or should I just really take a risk by going and seeing you know, Avatar 2? You know? If that movie ever comes out. 
that I'm just I'm I'm making a joke that like prioritizing safety with your movie choices. I guess I missed the mark on the joke. But but yeah, that's just some um, uh yeah, um just just to wrap things up, I'm just uh I'm really looking forward to HBO Max and I'm looking forward to seeing the Snyder cut whatever it may be. I am uh you know, I, I I'm hopeful for it just because it's another thing to watch. It's another intellectual property that hopefully gets expanded on HBO Max. Hopefully, I hope hopefully it gets big because it's taking all the DC movies from the DC movie app that tanked. And yeah, you know, I believe that the DC movie, the DC universe like film app tank. So H, you know, there's like it walked so this could run. DC's movie app tanked so that hbo max could fly yeah well they just need to fold the service in just make it a section on hbo max like what disney did universe and keep a low price point for dc universe but also have it included and that's how i think they should do it they should roll in all the content it's just obviously a more expensive thing that way, if people want to keep DC Universe for a lower uh, price point, they can. But if you want HBO Max, and you you know, it doesn't make sense that you would get DC Universe. It it just it doesn't. I'm a huge DC fan, and I had that app for about a year, and finally, the lack of content drove me away from it. They, they you just you know, I've already seen all those movies and those animated shows. Um, which, by the way, they just ended their animated universe, and oh my god, it was really, really good. Um, we'll talk about that some other time. Yeah, because um, I still need to watch the animated movies, because like, there's so much out there, and I'm like, ah, maybe I need to get into the anime. Because like, for a while, I just was a bastard about the animated movies, even though I'm an anime fan, and like a fan of like other cartoon series. So now like, I just need to get, like when HBO Max comes out, I'll have an ability to watch it. I, I hope those movies are on there because they just ended their 15 movie uh, arc with the Justice League Dark Apocalypse War and it was, in my opinion, it rivaled Infinity War and Endgame in quality and I loved those movies. So it was, and it did it in 90 minutes. It was, it's a crazy movie. The only way that I will say that I could say that I think that it exceeds the Marvel movies, the, the Marvel climax was that I think Darkseid is a better villain than Thanos. Um, but Josh Brolin is Thanos. He was awesome, and he's just he's more developed, so he also had that benefit. But I think Darkseid is a worse villain because he's more obsessed with power and enslavement he you know turning characters into slaves and using them for his will uh versus thanos who just you know wants to have the universe to have enough resources you know i i get it you know the the motive for being genocidal but i think the you know i i just think dark side is a more interesting character but i love thanos and I bet none of this needs to go into your podcast. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, uh, yeah, um, let's cut it there.